A birthday party? You hate those. Uh, no, I don't hate birthday parties per se for other people. Um, you're, you said if you're over two and a half years old, you shouldn't have a birthday party. No, no, no. And this could be part of the show because this is just unresolved because there's other things that I can rant about in a grinds my gears sort of way. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is Longbox Heroes After Dark episode 188 slash soon to be named Movie Club Roman numeral 5, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Isn't it 6? We're in June. Is it 6? Did I note this one? It's got to be six, because I was first, and we're in June, so that's January, February, March, April. I titled the Smokey and the Bandit one. Yeah, I mistitled the Smokey and the Bandit The best one! Yeah, I can't retitle it now. I'll I'll make sure. You're killing me. You're killing me. With all my movies. Listen, I heard there's a web course that you could take that's cheap and easy that could help you make a really good website. So I say you do that, Mm -hmm, and then you mm -hmm. go fix the website. I'll wait. this sounds coarse. I'll wait. Go ahead. All right. Hold on. Clickety clack clack. I'm Joe typing on my keyboard. Clickety clack. Clack clack. I can't find it. All right. For me, personally, mm-hmm. I'm done with birthdays. All right? Right. It's different when you have a kid. It's different when you hit a milestone birthday, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't make a big deal of my birthday. Mm-hmm. Just be, but if you, the royal you, are having a party, it's not like I'm going to be like, well, this is my opportunity to preach at you. It's like, no, you took. I don't give a shit about my birthday. You or the people you're involved with or whatever it is, obviously give a shit about yours. And you invited me to do something, go out to dinner with you. We're gonna all, all get together and go see a movie. You're having a party, people are getting together, whatever it is, that's fine, that's great, and I will do it, and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit there and grouse the whole time. (laughs) Don't care. Whatever you do for your birthday party is fine. Where I have the problem is, is adult males who are, I don't know, over 30, over 40, start talking about how it's their birthday week. What? And... They start talking about how they take the week off of work from their birthday. So they take a vacation around their birthday. Nothing wrong with that. I'll give you one day of your birthday. I'm not going to buy into your entire week of your birthday. Right. Okay. On the birthday week... Yes, saying it's your birthday week, but there's nothing taking. there's nothing wrong with taking your days off around your birthday... It's just, I think, when you go above and beyond and you try to make your birthday a bigger thing than a day or mm-hmm. a bigger thing, or like an excuse for you to kind of do whatever you want. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I could do this because it's my birthday, or like, oh, I can't believe this happened because it was my birthday, or it's my birthday, you should do X, Y, Z for me. It's like, no, it's your birthday, you light a cake, I'll sing a song. You blow out the candles, I give you a present if this is the the thing that we have with each other that you want to do. But when you start getting into that I have to celebrate your birthday in the same way that you celebrate it, I'm not gonna. 
Joe, don't you know people are special? No, they're not. They're special. Todd, nobody's special. I hate to tell you this. Not even me? Especially not even you. Especially not even me. I'm especially not a special? That's right. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. But, you know, it. then when you become a parent and you have kids and then you enter into a relationship with a, a you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a fiancé, a wife, you know, you need to make those sort of decisions of how you're going to start celebrating each other's birthdays, the kids' birthdays, and all that sort of jazz, right? Mm-hmm. I got a kid. He's six. He's going to be seven. When you're a kid, your birthday's a big deal. You know, I'm going to start teaching him about birthday weeks next time I see him. And that's fine. He's seven. He wants to have a birthday week. His entire life is a birthday. I know, but I'm going to I'm going to especially drill it in that it's uh uh play a knifey spoonie. Um I was going to say uh, my Italian ice. It was delightful. <laughs> it was delightful. I'm going to drill into him that if you have a birthday week and if you have a birthday week now you have to have it for life every year until you're, you know, 97 years old. Good luck. Yeah, cuz he retains information. He does better than you would expect. You could just say, you could have dropped better than you expect on that sentence, and you would have been fine. Right. He does better than you. Nah, you know, like, he remembers a lot of stuff for, you know, being a kid, you know? Right. Who's very easily distracted and doesn't pay attention. What were we talking about? Exactly. So the other thing that I just want to mention here, since I was talking about it on Twitter the other day, uh... I'm not sure if everyone's awake, so I'm not going to yell this, okay? Oh, I, I want you to blow out my ears. Fuck Panera. Oh, boy. Maybe the worst fast food type place, even mm-hmm. worse than Subway, which is garbage. I don't see Panera as fast food because it, it takes too It's long. a chain restaurant. Um, they, they consider themselves more upscale than they actually are, but you're okay. an overrated, overpriced, yuppie sandwich shop. Wow. That being said, their mac and cheese is delightful. If you, I, I highly recommend the mac and cheese there, but I can't see paying $7 for half a sandwich and it's, it's not even a good sandwich. It's not even a good sandwich. Okay. You go to a place, you go to a deli, you go to a sandwich shop that's run by a guy with hair on his arms and he's balding <laughs> and he makes you a sandwich where he's cutting the bread himself and he's got the deli slicer and the whole thing and he makes you that no two sandwiches are alike. They don't come off an assembly line where there's some person who's making half a sandwich an hour behind the counter who's matching up the picture so it looks exactly like it does on there. No more than three slices, unless the slices, whatever. I go to that guy with the hair in his arms, and he's bald, and I pay $7 for a sandwich. I'm getting a sandwich. That's a meal, Todd. Mm. You know, an animal died for that sandwich. When I go to Panera and I pay that $7 for half a sandwich, um, an animal was mildly inconvenienced for an afternoon for the amount <laughs> of meat that's on that piece of garbage. Oh, wow. 
I, I, I'm I'm upset that and, you uh, and they call themselves Panera Bread, and their bread sucks too. Wow! It, now, uh, not all the bread sucks. Now, granted, it's not the I pour foam into a mold and bake it, and then we pretend it's bread like it is at Subway. Mm-hmm. With the shiny purple turkey that they give you, mm, yum yum yum. It's another piece of garbage place. Oh my goodness! At least McDonald's now has gotten away from the kangaroo meat that they're actually advertising that we're selling sandwiches with real beef now. They do have real beef. What the hell you got I, listen. What the hell I've been eating at McDonald's for the last twenty some odd years. You need to go to Dexter Jetster's place in Star Wars. That's oh, what you need. Cool. <laughs> That's the I don't remember du- him in Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, Rogue One, or Last <laughs> Jedi, the only Star Wars movies that exist. What about Solo? And Solo, too. All right. He's not in Solo. Okay. We had a whole breakfast. We went to a fast food place and got breakfast for that. Unless his son, uh, Thurm Scissor Punch, is continuing to... Uh, Keep the di- his fifty styles diner in the <laughs> in space open. Oh, I would love to see like Dexter's uh, diner become like a Johnny Rockets oh, in my Star God. Wars. <laughs> that would be fantastic. That being said, I'm going to say this about Panera. Panera. When my bagel shop got flooded, do you remember that? Though, remember the Dark Times I show do. where they got flooded. I would go to Panera for their, and I will admit, they're overpriced, but their everything bagel, it was fantastic. So I get that. Now, their sandwiches are way overpriced, but I do, one thing I got to give them is when they give you a bread bowl, like, you know when you go to, like, a restaurant, like, I don't know, that they say they have bread bowls and they're these, like, weird wafer-thin bread bowls? I do like they drill out the center of the bread. They just take, a like, a loaf off the shelf drill it out and then pour soup in it so i i'm totally down with that um but i agree uh panera's panera's overpriced those are the only thing, things that i like about them is when they have the bread bowls uh with the soup in them and they're everything bagels i've never had I, a bread bowl soup there mm-hmm. but i'm not a bread bowl soup guy right you don't seem like you're into carbs uh i like carbs good but uh i like better carbs than a bowl of bread right okay but that's just me but todd we have bigger fish to fry this week we do because it's the uh soon to be named movie club episode six as we're talking about the 1990 film the adventures of ford fairlane starring uh comedy legend andrew dice clay that's right. Amongst others. Amongst a, a cast, a, a star-studded cast, if there ever was one, Todd. A cast of thousands. Um, so do I, so I forget how we do this. Do do you? Do I kind of run through the plot. Yeah, I, since you it's your go, movie. So you go ahead, you run through the plot. All right. So basically the movie starts out with Ford Fairlane on a beach. Um, noiring it, Joe. This is a detective noir when you really break it down. <laughs> Because he's going to noirate it throughout the the movie. We'll come so, back to that, right? So, um, he's on the beach. He's in his fantastic uh, moo cow jacket. That uh, you know, plenty of great fashion in this movie, by the way. Dice gets 
Now, I, I not to interrupt you. As I'm looking, no, it's fine. As I'm looking over things, it says that the uh, the budget on this film was forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. One has to assume it would have been more if Dice didn't bring his entire wardrobe with him for the shoot. <laughs> and they said there was a costume designer, and I don't know for who. Was it Andy Silverstein? <laughs> I don't know, but I did notice that. Okay, Dice's shoot name, by the way. Oh, is that his shoot name? Brother. Oh, you are a trash shoot, Joe. But uh, early on in the movie, like we, he's like he discusses that this is you know a few days later, and we cut back to how it all started, and uh, the lead singer of Black Plague, Bobby Black, aka Vince Neil, um, he ends up uh, ODing on stage. They think he dies. We know from Kurt Loder, I think, telling us. I forget if it's now or uh, later in the movie that Kurt Loder shows up. But uh, in, uh, well, first of all. He spontaneously combusts as he comes to, to the stage in an elaborate superhero-like entrance. This is not a wrestling angle, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Where he does an entire full-body burn for a good 15 Mississippi. Right, but that's not what kills him. And then they put him out, and then he's fine with not like a singe on him, right? Mm-hmm. Then while he's singing his hit song, something, I don't know what the hell it was. They play it like three uh, times in the Rock show. and Roll Junkie. There you go. Because I love that song. He starts choking on like a peanut or something. Right. Like that we see. Um, And then it's it's suspected since he is a rock and roll star that it was an overdose. But then Mm -hmm. we learn later that it may have been foul play. And we'll get into that as well. What? Yes. Um, So now we cut to... uh, We cut to... uh, Ford Fairlane, he's going to... He's on a case now. And he has this... Super cool silkscreen Ford Fairlane jacket. He's the rock and roll detective. That's right. Um, who has all these rock and roll cases. And more like uh, fashion stuff. I love that he has in his holster, his chest holster, he has a pack of cigarettes. And then he has his uh, he has his holster for his lighter. He is like doing it all up. If he had, they had like cell phones back then, he'd have one of those. He's the man. So- um so- I just want to say real quick, uh, before I tell my thoughts on the movie, which we'll save for the end of everything here. Mine too. I think I think you might have an idea of what my feelings and thoughts are on this. Uh, when he comes in to the to the club, right, and he mm-hmm. does the gimmick with the holster for the cigarettes and the holster for the lighter, and he lights the whole thing, and I'm like, this is the most self masturbatory scene <laughs> I've seen in a movie. In the history of movies. That's right. And we're and, four minutes in. Right. And now, now I'm realizing as we get in, because the cigarette to me is a big part of it. He comes in, and I forgot that this is a 90-ish minute movie. It's it's an hour 40. Okay. I, that's 90-ish, right? 90-ish. So, it's 10 minutes over 90, but sure. Right. And, and, and how long are credits? So that, I'm not going to, I'm going to, you know, semantics on you. But, uh. So he comes in, and I forgot that this is going to be a hundred. You know, this is going to be uh, a little over an hour and a half of Andrew Dice Clay wasting whole cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> like in my day, I would have went nuts when I was a smoker. He's like, "Oh, puff one, puff two, throw it away." I'm like, "That's a good cigarette." <laughs> <laughs> they need to do a remake of this. 
or they need to give this movie a George Lucas-esque treatment where it's the same movie, but we just edit you into those things, picking up all of Dice Clay's, <laughs> like, two smokes hits off the things, right? Yeah, all his Lucy's. <laughs> and he doesn't acknowledge you, but, like, every scene where he tosses the cigarette, right? You're like, oh, I'm trying to catch it! Oh! Ah, let, oh why are you doing this? I'm like Alfred in the key, the, uh, the Michael Keaton Batman at the party where he's like putting glasses down and they're falling. Alfred just shows up behind him. I'm like his cigarette boy. But yeah, that's what it is. It's an hour and a half of Andrew Dice Clay just wasting cigarettes. Except later in one scene, he literally has a cigarette that they put like a paper clip in so it could be all ash. And I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I finally finished one. So he's going in, and we're immediately establishing his character. He's talking with women. They're sla- they're Jack Sparrow slapping him because he's a dirtbag. Like, and but they like, love him. Oh, they can't get enough of women, him. Which women are throwing themselves at this forty-five-year-old <laughs> pudgy guy who's balding with an Elvis haircut and a leather jacket that's seven ty- sizes too big. <laughs> But it's got shoulder pads. Women love a smoke waster, Joe. <laughs> so he's like, he he's giving out the number. Hey, that's five five five. They're like, oh, that's those are those hey, are, those are all five five five. That's a number that's only in movies. What do you think? This is real life. Oh, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you like my Dyson person? Oh my goodness. Almost as good as someone else's dice impersonation, but we'll get to that later as the the thing goes on here. Right. So we get uh, we get introduced to Don Cleveland, who's uh, who who plays Don Cleveland. Uh, My brain. Morris Day of Morris Day of Morris Day and the Knights. He's an important part of the movie. Morris Day and the Knights. What the hell are you talking about? That's uh, more. No, what was his Morris Day? What was his band? In the time. The time. Why am I saying the Knights? I don't know. I'm still upset about all those wasted smokes, Joe. I think, uh, I, I think like he's supposed to be like a Quincy Jones esque analog, you know? Yeah, he's like a music. He like he's a producer yeah. kind of a thing that that uh, Ford knows from his past, and uh, we find out that he's on this case uh, for the Pussycats. I think was the name of the band, this all female band, because they couldn't get Vixen at the time, apparently. Well, it's 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 definitely. It feels to me it's supposed to be like a Bangles analog. Right. I think uh, even uh, Susanna Hoffs might have even been one of the girls uh, in the, in the crew. You know? No, I know who that is. She's an actress who's in stuff on like FX now. Oh, okay. um, but she does look a lot like her. Yeah. So you could see why. Uh, yeah. And this is where, like, uh, in it, we get to meet uh, early on Kari Wurr, who's going to be uh, an appearance later. And if you're going to wear that dress, Joe, you have to shave. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh, by the way, I don't know if a lot of jokes in this movie would fly today. Well. Well, but uh, so there's that. So he's meeting with Don Cleveland. He's asking him questions because there's some uh, freak who's, you know, pestering the pussycats. Um, and this is when we find out that he has a signature drink. His, uh, martini shaken, not stirred is a Zambuca milkshake. So you light that on fire. That is not going to come into play at all later. Um, but you know, so I wonder, I wonder if Zambuca stock went up after this movie. Oh, Oh, I know cigarette stock did because of some solvent that he wasted. 
So we find Sam the dirt bag. Sam the sleaze bag. The sleaze bag. And I couldn't tell that he was the guy who was chasing the, the, the pussycats because I wasn't sure. Because he's all like, the oh, my God. The sweating, coked up guy who's carrying <laughs> around a steamer trunk with glitter falling out of it. You don't yeah, think it was him? He's tweaked to the max. It's fantastic. So uh, Fairlane beats him off, blah, blah, blah. And he tells him he's 10 seconds away from the most embarrassing moment of his life. And he does this whole thing. And the guy starts running away. And Ford Fairlane does the whole, he has the the, the, the gun up his sleeve that you flick your arm and, and the extender comes out so he can grab it. He shoots a, a disco ball onto his head. Oh, man, that was a good thing he had that, Joe. That gun. <laughs> We won't be seeing that again <laughs> all through the movie. And then the only joke I did not approve of in this whole movie. What? And I think you know what joke I'm going to say. Oh, Do you know the one when, where uh, he shoots? What? He goes, Clint Eastwood? <laughs> yeah, I fucked him. Oh. I was like, if I, oh, <laughs> it's like. I almost turned the movie off there. I did but... the cigarette behind my back thing when I did the after I said the O. By the way, I don't smoke did, though. Did you throw it away after you were done? Uh, of course. Okay, good. <laughs> One puff, Joe. But uh, so I'm trying to remember. Do they go back to his? Yes, he goes back to his place, right? Yeah, and... he goes back to his place. The two girls, the twins. Uh, he brings them back. They wake up to purple haze. By the way, yeah, that's his alarm clock. Yes, which there is a cool scene, like, at times there uh, that there is directed, like, uh, cool moments, like when he wakes up in Purple Haze's plan, and all the stuff on, on the headboard is shaking, and the cigarettes vibrate, and then he just puts his hand out and he grabs them, and I'm like, okay, that's a cool, like, little, like, if this was, like, a real movie with a real action star, that would have been, that would have been a cool, wait, we'll get to that, so, you know, he ended up sleeping with the girls who slapped him, because... Like you said, all the reasons that you can't get enough of this character, you can't get enough of the Ford Fairlane character. Um, they just wanted to be held, Joe, but they got the bonus package. Oh! I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so he comes out and he meets the kid. I don't know if they even ever give the kid a name. Nah, he don't have a name. He, he didn't earn a, was that the, is this the same kid from, uh, from the Jack Slater movie? From last no, action it's here. Not. I I checked. Okay, so he's got he's got a case for for Ford Fairlane, and he lights up a smoke, and Ford Fairlane wastes that when he throws it away. So, but uh, so the track of how many uh, how many cigarettes he wasted in this movie that should have been something you could have did. I almost I halfway through the movie I'm like I'm not going back I'm too far in right um all joking aside that was about like. A quarter or a halfway, and I was like, oh, my God, I should have kept count. Um, I'm not starting this over. Uh, but so the kid, does he give Does he give him the case at that point? Or is he, he, do, do, he does it later, I think. He g- gives it to him later, yeah, because right. Uh, right now he's okay. It's the next time that he has the interaction with the kid where he takes the kid's hundred bucks or whatever it is. Yes, that's right, because it's all blurring together. This movie was so good. Um, so now he, he, he's got Sam the sleaze bag in the trunk of his Ford Fairlane and he's going to, uh, his office to see, to see jazz. Um, and he runs into Tone Loke, one of the, as you said before, there's a, this is a uh, cast of thousands where I, I think of it more of as a cavalcade of stars. 
<laughs> so we meet Tone Loke, and he's rapping, and and then uh, Ford Fairlane gives him gives him a gentle ribbing about his music, and then he's then he's got to be like, oh no, I love the modern stuff, you know that. I get down with it because you can't tick off your fans, you can't tick off your rap fans. I was like, good for you. You got to keep all your your lanes open on that. So he goes in and he sees Jazz, who I forgot uh, was uh, what's the the woman's name who plays Jazz? Um, oh boy, what's her name right now? I know she's because uh, she was in Dumb and Dumber. I did my research on this. Can Lauren you tell? Lauren Holly. Lauren Holly, who oh my god, I forgot how much I loved Lauren Holly in this. Um, she goes on to look a little bit better in this, in my, you know, my male gaze, uh, on this movie. But she's there and we find out that, uh, the rock and roll detective doesn't get a lot of money. He gets paid in koala bears. I get paid in gifts. Oh, yes. He got bicycle shorts and hair extensions from Millie Vanilli. <laughs> um, so, and that's when the pussycats, show up and they they that's definitely him and he's he he may maybe tips his hand that he may be their stalker Joe when when he sees them and he's gonna you know they say okay we're gonna let you go but we're gonna take the evidence um and he pretends to clip off his wiener Joe but then he falls off the roof and falls on Tone Loke's boombox. Oh poor Sam the sleazebag. Oh I don't think we'll ever see him again by the but uh and then the pussycats try to pay or pay uh Ford Fairlane with a watch which looking back now this is a fairly good joke for all the times that if he had a watch his life would be easier throughout the movie <laughs> cuz like there's a whole there's a couple of gags where you're like oh if he just knew the time he'd he'd uh he'd be okay so now he gets a call from he gets on the message machine he gets a call from Johnny Crunch, played by someone. <laughs> Who could it be? I know he's one of your favorite guys. Is I, it Gilbert Godfrey? I'm not going to try to do a Gilbert impression. But. Well, we're we're we're, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get there. So uh, they answer the, the the phone with at this point hit pay dirt with K dirt, and you get your uh, you get you get money, you know, which is uh, the, the 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 running gag throughout the movie, but. Uh, so he goes, he, Johnny Crunch is a, uh, shock DJ on this radio. And so Ford goes to him. And the thing that I do like is when he, he gets there, um, and he goes up to see Johnny Crunch, that there's a Howard Stern voodoo doll hanging from a noose with pins in it. Hmm. Um, but they are friends, right? Gilbert Godfrey and Howard Stern. Okay. As a, so as a, uh, dice fan, Gilbert fan, Stern fan, right? Mm-hmm. Big fan of all three of them. Uh, you know, Dice does his thing, 2018. I don't know what Dice is up to. Howard, you know, I've been a fan long enough. I'm always a lot, you know, I'll, I'll consider myself a fan, even though I'll keep up with what he's currently up to. Gilbert, it's been evergreen, right? <laughs> Gilbert continually reinvents himself. Uh, so uh, this obviously is very much supposed to be Howard, right? Mm-hmm. And when this movie was filmed, it was during a point where Howard and Dice were on the outs. Uh, okay. They would continually be at war with each other, depending on how often Howard would or would not have Sam Kinison on the radio show, right? Okay. Because Dice and Sam Kinison were feuding. 
All right. So there's a point where the role was supposed to be for Howard. They end up being on the outs. Who could we get to do it? From the comedy days, Gilbert's a fan. Gilbert, you know, Gilbert's a gig is a gig, man, right? Mm -hmm. Gilbert does the movie. We'll get to his performance. And then he goes on Howard and bashes Dice. Bashes the movie. Says what a piece of shit it is. All this crazy stuff, right? Now, okay, Mm -hmm. he's being a little egged on by Howard. And they're playing it for the thing because Howard's feuding with Dice and Gilbert's kind of like Teflon, right? You can't be mad at Gilbert Gottfried because... Gilbert's a legitimate crazy person. Mm-hmm. So after this, him going on Howard, making fun of the movie and making fun of Dice, for a period of time from like 1991 to 1995, as part of his act, Gilbert would do Gilbert Dice Clay. Where he would <laughs> oh my put God. on a giant leather jacket. And Gilbert's not a, a big man to begin with, so it's even more co- ridiculously comical. And then he would just, he would do, in his stand-up act, he would do 15 to 20 minutes of Dice's act. <laughs> but as Gilbert, as Dice. Did he waste cigarettes while he did it? <laughs> yes! Oh, good. Uh, you got to be realistic. Like he would tell, like he would do the nursery rhymes, right? Which, none mm. in the movie, by the way. What? Oversight, but we'll get into that. He would be like, so I go up to my girlfriend and she says, you, 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 and I say, oh, but And that was <laughs> Gilbert doing Dice's act for 20 minutes in his act. And then he would do the cigarette thing and everything else like that. But uh, I think Gilbert did a fantastic job as fake Howard Stern in this movie. Right. So when he shows up and on the phone when he calls him, he calls him Chevy Nova. And Suzuki Samurai. Suzuki Samurai was the good one. Which I think is a terrible joke. What kind of person calls somebody who has a car name by another car name joke? (laughs) Ridiculous, right? So now, he wants uh, Ford Fairlane to find... Oh, by the the way, uh, it's a little later in the movie, but... uh, I think we're 15 minutes into the movie, by the way. Right, there's a picture... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I got five pages of notes, Joe. Um, <laughs> right. So there's a picture of them and the band when they were together, like this beetle looking thing. Okay. We get to that later. That's the show image for this week's episode. Oh, good. Because that's me trying, that's me trying to get you an autograph copy of that picture from both people for Christmas. And right. Did you see what the name of their little band was? Their Captain no, I did rip off. What? It was like a fate. It was FF and the Crunch. <laughs> God, poor <laughs> Crunch. <laughs> oh my God. So he wants him to find Zuzu Petals, who daughter. he says is his, his daughter, or his sister, or sister's daughter, or whatever. It's like he's going on. He goes, okay, just get her. So he's going to give him all this money, and he ends up just giving him a 20 or whatever. Um, yeah, he said, I'll but give you now. Three grand. If you find her, and mm-hmm. then he's like, I'll give you 20 up front, you find the girl, you get the rest of the money. Right, that's just a taste he gets. So so he gives him, and then uh, Ford leaves, He's uh, he's got a case, and then he hears on the radio, because now he turns on the radio in his car, he's got a little TV in there and everything, super wonderful Ford Fairlane uh, that he owns, uh, that... 
Johnny Crunch is getting murdered at the, the, the records, uh, the record, the, the radio station. So he goes back, he gets in, he finds, for some reason, as he goes into the, into the recording studio or the radio thing, the guy, a guy, one of the, the producer falls murdered. The murderer had time to string him up, apparently. <laughs> And hang him there. And he sees Johnny Crunch getting electrocuted. He's all, he's all dead. And so now Gilbert Godfrey, other than one small great scene, is out of this movie. And I want to say, I've, him doing Gilbert Godfrey as the radio announcer, like when he's like, oh, send your daughters in a jar of petroleum jelly up to me. Well, I'm Gilbert Godfrey. Right? So, but when he's, when he's not doing Gilbert and he's just talking to Dice at like Ford Fairlane right. as uh, Johnny Titlebaum or whatever it is, it kind of upset me not to hear the Gilbert persona, like in just a soft voice, like him just being like, "She's my daughter. She's my 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 you know my pride and joy." And I'm like, "I don't. There's something here that's not right. He has to be screaming and the Gilbert, you know." a human Muppet and that's not what he is. So I actually enjoyed his subdued performance at times. To me, that's, that's Gilbert acting. Uh, what did you, you were going to say something about his performance? I thought again, I, I like the rare instances where we get to see, uh, the, you know, like who, the real Gilbert, you know, not mm-hmm. the, the persona. Right. So now, you know, Gilbert's at the murder scene and in comes Detective Amos, Ed O'Neill, in in by far, which I think is probably the biggest crime of this movie, is that he doesn't have more scenes. Legitimately, I love him as the disco detective from Disco uh, Express um, because he ends up finding out that you know, that he has a beef with Fairlane and you find out that he was part of Disco Express and he did booty time and Ford, they wanted Ford Fairlane when he was a record producer to push his band. Their time together on screen is comedy gold as far as I'm concerned. So like I said, I wish, I wish there was more of that. All right. So I have a complaint. So, uh, so as we're as we're going on, I I legitimately love this movie. I had such a good time rewatching this movie again. I have a ton of nitpicks though, mm-hmm. and I have ways to turn this movie from the nine and a half that it is to a ten plus. <laughs> right. One of them is, as you mentioned, the Ed O'Neill uh, dice clay scenes are great. Right. Mm-hmm. The first time they have that back and chain back and forth. Where he says, like, oh, I called you a jerk-off, jerk-off. He goes, no, you're a jerk-off, because that's what I call you. Jerk-off. The next time they do it, it's the same exact back and forth, but they call him a piece. And he's like, I called you a piece of spam. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you, 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 you start off with jerk-off, and then you go to piece of spam. You either start with piece of spam and go to jerk-off, or how's this for an idea? Think of another joke. What? That's no. just me. <laughs> right. I might be asking for too much. I just felt as though, again, I say the movie's a nine and a half. It should be. It could be a ten plus with my notes that I have from the studio. <laughs> this uh, economy of the day that you had to film with Ed O'Neill in between episodes of Married to Children, you do the spam first, you do the jerk-off second, or you do the jerk-off first, and then you raise the stakes to something higher than a piece of spam, right? Or you do it again 
and you do it three times and you start with spam something else and jerk off and then go to the granddaddy of them all. You know what I mean? If you, if you got the R rating, go for it. You like, know, we could talk about all the jokes in this movie. Like you forgot mm-hmm. a great one where, uh, where Johnny Crunch leaves the message on the thing where he mm-hmm. talks about how, uh, when they were in high school together, Johnny, Johnny Crunch slept with Dice Clay's, and again, Ford family, it's Dice Clay. He slept with Dice Clay's prom date, and he mm-hmm. goes, I hope he's not serious about that. I took his sister. That's a good yeah. joke. That's that a is good a joke. joke. I like that. That is a great joke. <laughs> so, like, Ed O'Neill, like I said, he's he's criminally underused. And at this point, he uh, Dice finds an important clue. He finds a 45, like the, the paper that you keep a 45 record in, with the word Art Mooney scribbled on it, Joe. Art Mooney and a star. Oh, a star. I forgot about that. See? Yeah. So, uh, and this is where we see the, uh, the, the photo that he burns of him, him and Dice. It's in my notes. Look at that. Um, of him and Gilbert. Uh, and it, and it even has in the notes, it is my mission to get that autograph for you, Joe. <laughs> um, so, and then that's when we meet, uh, Ford Fairlane's guitar. That's a left strung upside down strung for upside uh, strung upside down for a left-handed genius. Oh, mm-hmm. he says more than genius though. You know, uh, but you, well, this is a G, G-rated podcast, right? Uh, I can curse on here, right? <laughs> get, get the fuck out of here! What are you doing? Right. So the kid has a case. He wants him to find his father who's missing, and he has a major clue, Joe. Right. He has a Fred Flintstone ring, by the way, which I want one of these. The, the Fred Flintstone ring is fantastic. Uh, so, and he, they even have the yabba dabba do when they show it. So, wow. I'm like, oh, and there's also with, uh, with Detective Amos, he has the best music cue. He almost has like a Dragnet-esque song whenever he walks in. So I have to, I had to go back to that really quick. Um, so that's when he's like, oh, I got it. He's like, I, I got money for you. And he's like, I'm not taking your money. I'm not that hard up. And he gets, like he said, there's another great joke. Where now he wakes up in the house because somebody's ringing the doorbell and he's like, he wakes up late and he's like hung over and he's like, I took the kid's fucking money. I can't believe it. And I, I did laugh at that. I thought that was a good joke. So now the, the, he opens the door and it's Colleen Sutton played by Priscilla Presley in her finest hour, I think, in this movie. And she wants him to- Well, this was in to- the midst of her being- the straight gal to Leslie Nielsen in the uh, the Naked Gun movies. Right. So this is those are like her second, third, and fourth best comedies oh. after after Adventures of Ford Fairlane. So there's a whole back and forth that the house is a mess and he's got a heart on in front of her. Um, and he calls it Stanley, and she's like Stanley, like the power drill. Oh, right. So. So, uh, and then Stanley, you know, that's a joke throughout the movie. But uh, she wants him to find Zuzu Petals, who says it's her little sister. And he's got a picture, and she's got a picture. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, and then I love when, now this is when the Art Mooney stuff comes in. He was like, he's like, you're a stain on society. He's like, I was just talking about stains and bleaches with my good friend, Art Mooney. <laughs> like, anytime he mentions Art Mooney, he's now his good friend, Art Mooney. Well, he's Which trying is, to, you know, he's got a oh, clue, yeah. and he's trying to float it out there to possible suspects, you know? Right, because he's trying to lay the, like, and he's doing it so nonchalantly, the way he says it. It's almost like, 
like me or you look at a watch. Like, it's fantastic. So now he's like, okay, well, I need to get some information. He's going to go see his buddy Don Cleveland. And that's when the the true star of this movie, Joe, Kyle Troy, is singing. (laughs) I'm actually mad because I have this soundtrack. Okay. That they don't have the Kyle Troy song on this soundtrack. The actual, like, what he's singing because it's fantastic. Right. Now, as terrible as, as Kyle Troy is, I hope someone shows this young whippersnapper what a real song is like. If only, Joe. <laughs> so this is when we meet Julian Grendel, played by the great Wayne Newton. And I think this is also the pinnacle of his career, too, as uh, Julian Grendel. And we find out through a series of events that his, his company is getting ripped off. But he has this in this joke. This is my favorite joke. One of my two favorite jokes, and they're both Julian Grendel jokes, is, and I, I still use it to this day if I, if I ever catch somebody talking shit about me, Joe, and they don't know I'm, I'm there, I'm like, my mom always said, if you can't say something nice about someone, wait till they're out of the goddamn room. I love that. I'm like, oh. immediately... I know who Julian Grendel is. You've immediately got him over in my mind. <laughs> he's fantastic. Um, so he also he's discussing uh, the, uh, this this Troy thing with his good buddy Art Mooney, and that you know lands like a bomb. And so now, the, you know, they're uh, what's his face? Uh, Don Cleveland says, "I can't help you, Ford." Ford, where did you go? And all of a sudden, he's in the recording booth <laughs> with Kyle Troy. And for some reason, he just has the power to to, to hijack a recording session. Joke. And everybody just starts playing the song, and he's singing it. And it's uh, I Ain't Got You, which is a great old blues song. I don't know if he did it better or the Blues Brothers did it better on one of their CDs. I'm not sure whether it was Ford Fairlane or the Blues Brothers. But uh, I, I I thought that was hysterical that he could just hijack a recording session and they're like they're 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 mixing the song and everything. I'm like, okay. I, I guess. So he leaves and he meets these two thugs who he thinks are a band um and their their band is called Pain. And we're probably never going to see them again either, Joe. But, well, uh, obviously, you know, Ford's or Dice is being followed. But as as he's leaving, he kind of lets us know, like, as good as he was at doing that one song, uh, mm-hmm. the reason he never became the big success that him and uh, Gilbert Dice Godfrey wanted to become <laughs> was because he was only good at just doing that one song. And he was banned from MTV. Right. And that's a whole story, he says. Oh. Which... Which I thought was cute. Um, so he finds out that that uh, he found out from from uh, Don Cleveland that uh, Johnny Crunch had a boat. So he goes out to the boat and he forgets to ask the name of the boat. But since Johnny Crunch is keeping a low profile, it won't be anything like his per- personality. It turns out to be the Mighty Penis. <laughs> it's a great no- name for a boat. And he finds a videotape that says Kali and me, and he loves Lassie movies, Joe. So he puts it in, and it's Gilbert Conrad thinking a bishop outfit. Yes. Being whipped by, like, once again, I say at the pinnacle of her career, (laughs) 
you know, uh, Presley, I'm like, this is fantastic. Um, he finds an invite uh, for Colleen Sutton's charity ball or whatever. And as he's looking around, he opens up a, the, the mirror, a mirror, like a uh, prescription thing. And it's Robert Englund's in there as, I, as smiley. Cause I don't think he gets another name throughout right, the movie. They never either. say his name. They just say, right. uh, like, I think Dice might call him you smiling prick at one point. You know? No, he, yeah, he keeps calling him smiley. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they end up having a fight. Uh, Ford Fairlane rips, uh, the shotguns off the wall. He sinks the boat. Um, he hits, he hits Smiley with the TV. So now Smiley's dead. We're not going to see him anymore. Um, we, he calls, uh, Jazz and invites her to the, uh, to the fundraiser, tells her to wear something nice. Um, that's when he gets there and that's when Jazz shows up. And holy shit, Joe, I forgot 90, whatever this movie was. I was around like, what was this, 96, you said? 1990. 90. I was 17 when this movie came out. Oh, but I immediately aged when I saw Jazz in that dress, man. Now, I will say this. That outfit does, uh, that holds up, that stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. Her uh, pompadour hairdo, eh, not so much. What, Joe? Her pompadour haircut is, it's matching Ford. She wants to dress like Ford. Right, she She's wants a- to be Lady Dice. Oh, who doesn't want to be the queen of dice right there? Uh, so he tells her to watch Colleen. Colleen uh, sees that Julian Grendel's iron her up. So she, and she realizes that Jazz has fallen her. So she's like, here, take the CD. I can't have it on me. So he uh, he takes it. Now, here's my second favorite joke in all in all of the movie. He uh, Dice runs into Julian Grendel and he says, "Boy, Dice, you're an island of reality in an ocean of diarrhea." <laughs> I still I still use that occasionally. So, it's a very that's, quotable film, Todd. It is, right? So, uh and then that's when he wants to learn out learn about what he knows, but there's shark steaks to be had, Joe. So you can't stick around. Julian loves his shark steak so he goes off and has some of that uh we find out that jazz and ford have had a past that they slept together um of that jazz has every fe- woman in this movie has slept with dice clay he's the most desirable man in hollywood right so he she's like there's not gonna be any more of that hanky panky i'm done and she leaves in a huff with the cd and uh, the, one of my favorite jokes by Dice in this movie, he's like, yeah, me and Jazz have a past. Most guys play hard to get. I, I play hard to want. Oh! <laughs> I'm like, I want to get that on his shirt. <laughs> so uh, he goes back to his place, and he sees that this is where definitely Kurt Loder shows up. He's watching MTV, and Bobby Black from Black Plague is his funeral, and it's they that tell night. people not to show up, but then they give directions. As to where <laughs> yes, like, here's the address, right? Yeah. So the funeral, and he and he's like, okay, and he's watching the video of Black Plague's last video, and Zuzu Petals is in the is in the the video, so he figures. Maybe she'll show up at the funeral. So he goes, and there's a scalper selling tickets for the funeral, Joe. And apparently, um, all the girls in this shot have dropped. That you only charge them one hundred dollars. Yeah, well, all the girls in this shot have dropped a pencil, Joe. <laughs> and apparently, they were picking them up when they got their tickets. 
<laughs> At least that's what I thought until Dice shows up and they say $300. He's like, you charged them 100 They blew me. He's like, 300 it is. <laughs> so that's when I realized what they were really doing, Joe. Oh, you put uh, the pieces together? Yeah, the pieces were, were, were put together. So he finds Zuzu Petals. He's showing the picture around. And she's like, do you know this girl? And he's like, she's like, is this a trick question? And I'm like, that's immediately when you know you know everything you need to know about Zuzu Petals. Um, and that's when uh, he's like, who who killed Johnny Crunch? What's going on? He's doing his bit. And she ends up dropping to her knees. And he's like, oh, I got time for that. And she punches him in the dick. And she runs away. Gets kidnapped by uh, Freddy Krueger. Um, and then... Uh, Ford Fairlane's going to chase her, but his car has slashed tires, so he has to steal a hearse with Lydia in it, Joe. <laughs> Lydia, because the two undertakers are yelling Lydia, um, is still in the car. Uh, so Jazz calls that Colleen was married to Julian Grendel, so he's getting this call while he's chasing uh, Smiley, because he keeps calling Smiley. He's like, Okay, I have I have another call, and he keeps answering the the, the phone with uh, hit pay dirt with Cater because I keep I'm going to keep driving this home because something happens later that I never noticed before, um, and they're going back and forth, and the body of Lydia lands in the front seat, and you find out that she's very healthy in the chest department, Joe. Oh boy! So and she's rolling around the car, and her face lands in his lap. And he's like, I don't have time for this. Maybe I do. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm Dice Clay. It's it's fantastic. So he ends up not uh, making uh, Smiley crash. He gets out. Wait, uh, you forgot. So what? he gets a call from Jazz as well during all this, right? Right. Because she's run whatever she can in the CD, but it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, whatever it is. And then uh, Robert England says... In a gr- now, you mentioned how a lot of these jokes in this movie might not fly today. Mm-hmm. I personally think every single joke in this movie fly. Every single joke, every single line, every single everything in this movie would fly one hundred percent today, except this one, where he says, and it's all about the delivery. He goes, "Was that your assistant?" Because he's calling him on the phone too, and, mm-hmm. and Dice says, "Yeah," and he goes. She's very special to you. I look forward to raping her at your funeral. Yep. That's the line that I think might not be able to fly 2018. And he, like you said, he drives that line home. Right. He delivers it with aplomb and gusto. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he ends up making uh, Smiley Robert Englund crash. Uh, that's when Detective Amos shows up again with the great music beat of the the, the kind of dragnet theme um and he thinks zuzu has killed johnny crunch so he's like when i find her and there's great because like she's like right in the background (laughs) and like amos can't find her so they they go home they go back he takes zuzu back to his place um while he's there he finds that the koala has been hung from the ceiling fan uh dead so we'll never see the koala again um and he yells to Zuzu, look out, don't do anything. She turns on the TV, it explodes, almost kills her, but she's fine because she could still chew her gum. Um, he finds out that his guitar has been stolen, and that one of one of Colleen's uh, hats is there. So he figures that Colleen's stolen it to get at him. And that's when Zuzu finds that there's something in the microwave. And then we get 
the longest five seconds in movie history. Well, it's obviously in slow motion, Todd. Oh, of course, yes, because Dice, known for his speed after wasting all those cigarettes. He got great cardio from not smoking them all. Right. He makes that dash across easily to run on sand in five seconds. (laughs) To run on sand in motorcycle boots. Yes, yes. And with with the wind resistance from those shoulder pads. He's lucky he didn't take off with that wedge. Oh right. my goodness! So he they dive. The house, uh, she goes. Oh, maybe it was just a pot pie. The house blows up. I find that joke too. Maybe it was just uh, a pot pie. Uh, then the kid who never gets a name shows up, and he shows up and does the best strained acting ever. Joe. <laughs> oh, I tried to stop the Ford, but they were just too strong. But I tried. I did what you would have did. Ran and called the police? No, I tried to kick their ass. Yeah. Oh, by the way, have you found my father? I got a few leads. You ain't got shit for... Language. Language, yes. I'm crying at this scene. And it's just... He he just uh, leaves. And like you said, it's just... He should have called the cops. So Ford, like, oh, God, we got to get out of here. He's oh, they brought my car back. The kid leaves. They brought my car back. He uses the the auto start to start, and it explodes because somebody put a bomb in the car. So they have to hitchhike, and uh, a Corvette pulls up and asks them if they want to ride, and then it leaves. And we know they're douches, not just because of that joke, but they have a license plate that says unpoor. <laughs> I want a license plate that says unpoor, and I want a boat that's called the unpoor. Oh, my A matching. Uh, So that's when they get noticed by Kari War in her Jeep. She's back, uh, and he takes her to I-8 to Pi Sorority. And then we have the montage of all these hot chicks. Well, this is when they play Cradle of Love, the Billy Idol song, right? Right, which is a great song, and uh, when they play that video on MTV, there's no Dice Clay in it. It's just clips of the movie without Dice on the TV in the background <laughs> while this underage girl is seducing an older man. <laughs> great video, by the way, which is on the uh, Adventures of Ford Fairlane C- DVD if you have, if you buy it, because I have it. I got it from Walmart for 4 bucks like 20 years ago. <laughs> that tells you something when you get a DVD for... 20 years ago for four bucks. Must have been on sale. Oh, I think it was, it was on, tw- I bought two of them, the normal Joe. sticker price for a gem like this. <laughs> oh, no, right? So, there's all these things, women eating corn dogs, there's <laughs> underboob, there's, there's Twister, and there's playful falling over as you're playing Twister, too, Joe. It's not just like, oh, we're going to do the establishing shot of Twister. It's do a few more things and then cut back to them falling over and all laughing with each other. So I'm like, oh, director really knows what he's doing. Now, I also want to say they were also doing aerobics. I'm not sure if you mentioned that. No, they were doing aerobics. There was somebody showering. Now, okay. Now, the, it was it was tastefully shot with the, the mm-hmm. silhouette, right? Right. I want to say it... this. Todd, this entire movie, no nudity. You know what? That was one of the uh, the downfalls of this movie, I think. Again, you want to make your movie a 10 plus. <laughs> yep. That's the only thing. I, it's, listen, one of the few things that we're missing. Let's change that, you know? Right. So, while Ford's there 
and he's and you know he's going to come in this scene at the sorority house tastefully done. Don't yes, because that's what Andrew Dice Clay is known for, tastefully doing things. Right. So Ford calls his office to check in with Jazz. Now, Joe, you know, all this time I, I drove home, hit pay dirt with K-Dirt, you think it's because of what's coming later? Right. This is the one time, and I noticed watching this movie, he calls the office. Jazz does not answer with hit pay dirt with K-Dirt because she's in trouble. Right. And she's hoping, this is me, like, thinking way too much about this movie. She's like, if I don't say hit pay dirt with K-Dirt and act weird, maybe he'll know, maybe the great detective that he is will know that I'm in trouble. Todd, no. are you insinuating that the character of Ford Fairlane is not a good detective? Uh, he's a good rock and roll detective, not when my assistant's in danger detective. <laughs> <laughs> is that That's a fair? That's a gimmick. Is that a fair lane assessment? Now, Dice Clay, the man, would have understood what was going on, but Ford Fairlane, the character, I right. think also he was distracted by all the girls around, too. That was, too, right. So uh, they end up throwing Jazz out a window, which she should be dead and we'll never see her again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, uh, so that's when the two thugs show up. <laughs> I just remember What's the matter? What are you laughing? I have to reference. Go ahead. Oh, okay. The two thugs show up and they're going to attack the sorority and they're initiating Ford Fairlane into the sorority. And he realizes that the two thugs have been following show up and they all have candles and they're saying, they're saying quotes. I don't know. They're doing some incantation and he realizes that the guys are there. So he tells them all to blow and they all blow out the candles. Fantastic writing, Joe. <laughs> so he goes out and he goes around the back and he ends up, you know, they park their motorcycles. He ends up pushing a, a Corvette down the hill, Joe. And what do you know? That happens to have a license plate that says Unpura. <laughs> That's the Corvette from before. Listen, Todd, L.A.'s a small little town. You know, everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it goes out and it crashes. The guys are like, oh, we got to get out of here. We made too much of a scene already. So... To not make more of a scene, the guy drops a grenade in a Corvette, <laughs> which is fantastic. So now they leave. Jazz shows up all beat up. Um, Dice is legitimately concerned that Jazz is hurt, but not too concerned to feel her up. Right. Jazz is thrown out of a second-story window <laughs> right. and walks to the sorority house. <laughs> I don't think she hitchhiked. Uh, well, I know Unpour didn't pick her up, <laughs> And there was no such thing as Uber or Lyft back then. Oh, God. So, but I do find that funny. He's got time to, to run his hand up her leg. Um, <laughs> so then we find out that Zuzu Petals has a CD from Bobby Black that's just like the one that uh, Colleen gave Jazz. Has the number on it and everything. It's very avant-garde. This is what it sounds like, Joe. Right, so. Zuzu Petals, deserving of the Oscar as we go, right? So uh, so they go to Julian Grendel's to say, like, they have information. Yeah, we know. That, we know that how she's behind it. We're letting you know that she was trying to screw you, and we're going to help you take her down. Right. So they go, and he gets there, and like, all right, so they're this. And that's when Julian kills Colleen. He shoots her. Because she's already like, there kind of telling him off. Right. And we're like, what's going on? 
And because this doesn't make any sense. It's Julian Grendel, really the villain of this movie? Right? So as she's dying, she has a few last words and she's like, ah, ah. And he's like, what? Aardvarks. Julian Grendel's smuggling aardvarks. <laughs> he's trying, Todd. <laughs> she's trying. So she ends with, Art Mooney, stupid. Uh. <laughs> right? So amazing death scene. Um, so they're going to kill them. Ford decides to get, a, oh, if he had a watch, cause he had a whole thing, like I said earlier, he's like, I have made copies of the, the CDs and they're going to the cops. If I don't get he- heard from by seven o'clock and Julian Grenner goes, great, you should buy a watch, Ford. It's seven thirty-five or whatever. And he's like, oh, so they're, they're going to kill him. But Ford beats him with the old gum in the earring trick in the light socket. Right, which never has never before, failed them. But that's a first time for everything. Right. It's never failed them, but, you know, he's never used it before either. So we find, oh, we also find out that at, uh, be- before he does all this, that, that Kyle Troy's having a CD debut party and that Don Cleveland is going to be killed to cover up everything. And it's going to be his, he's going to use it as a cover up. Um, that Don and Vince Neal and Priscilla Presley were all in on it together. Right. Now, here's another small thing, too, because I jumped forward too far before uh, Ford gets away. Ford is, is talking with Julian Grendel, and there's a great scene where he tells the the final words he had with Johnny Crunch before he slaps him in the face with the glass. Did here's you notice that? You. Yep. <laughs> Suck in my dick. And he hits him. And I'm like, in a weird way, like, if this was a good movie, Joe... With you. a real star, like that would be your callback to like, you killed my friend. I'm getting the one up on you. I'm like, I, I really like that. Right. So he ends up doing Julian leaves and he gets the gum on the earring trick, um, escapes and they have to, to climb down the, the tower records building because for some real, at, at first I always thought this was the stupidest thing. He runs to the steps and Zuzu pedals, the dumb one goes, let's go down. And he goes, no, let's go up. So they go up. And he's on the roof, and he's like, oh. he's like, my day, my guitar's gone, my girlfriend was thrown out a window, I'm going to do, yeah, <laughs> he does like that, that thing, and he's like, and now I can't even climb down the fire escape, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense, at least you explained that you wanted to go down the fire escape, but why the thugs ran up the stairs <laughs> instead of down, when they had no clue, because he has been gone for a good two minutes, and they run up the stairs to chase him. So he ends up fighting them. One of them falls off the building because Zuzu shoots him with his own gun. But then she throws the gun off the roof. Um, so as they're climbing down, Smiley, Robert England, uh, is, is there. I forgot. He's still alive, by the way, John. Um, they're going down and they're, they're fighting. He tries to take him off the building. Uh, Julian earlier threw the Jimi Hendrix guitar out the window to, to piss Ford off. I forgot about that because I'm all over the place. Um, but he finds it uh, on the outside the building while Smiley at Robert England's holding on to him and Zuzu's legs. So he drops it to hit him with it so he could they can get away. Robert England falls. He hits a piano from 30 stories up. Um, he's apparently dead. <laughs> We're never going to see him again. Joe. No, wait. Before you get to this, there's another right? part because there's multiple scenes of dice Zuzu pedals and Freddy falling, right? Yes, and this is one of my favorite jokes in the movie, okay. too. Peak. Peak <laughs> moment in the film. Peak <laughs> moment in filmmaking. This is the scene that uh, Brian Studebaker and I quote to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. 
they show the shot of them falling, right? Where right, and they're all spinning. It's spinning. Each of them gets an isolated shot. We get Zuzu Pedal. She's screaming. Ah, she spins. We go to Freddy. He's spinning and screaming. Ah! We go to Dice. He's spinning. My hair. <laughs> like John Travolta. Like John Travolta. Because yeah. I just want to go back. Before Dice became Dice, uh, like the whole character and the persona and the whole thing, he was just like a regular stand-up who would do half of his act doing an impersonation of John Travolta and half of his act doing an impersonation of Jerry Lewis. Okay. Then all of that stuff kind of fell by the wayside and like you could see bits and pieces of it in what the Dice character became. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, I know a lot about Dice. Oh. That's fine. That's fine. So as uh, Smiley's fighting with him before he falls to his uh, true death this time on the piano, we find out that he has one of the Flintstone rings on like the kid. And there's a good back and forth between uh, Zuzu and Dice. It's like, oh, I can't kill him. Why? He's, uh, the ring. He's like, what? He's got the Flintstone ring. Oh, He's the like, kid? What? what kid? The what ki- oh, the kid. Oh, the cute kid. Yeah, the cute kid. <laughs> He's like, That's his father. So he ends up thinking that he killed the kid's father. Um, so they, no, they he land. he is the father. Right, yeah, he thinks he is the father. No, Ford thinks he killed the kid's father oh, by knocking yeah, okay, off. Okay, okay, okay. Pronouns, pal. Right, so. God damn it. God damn it. So they land, and there's a good bit where they're sliding down, sliding down, sliding down, and then they're doing the whole be careful. We could fall to our death. Oh, we're so zany. We could fall to our death. But they're really on the ground, and they meet the the, the family and, and, you know, from wherever, from Green Bay or whatever. The scene could have been cut out. Right. So, but that's when Jazz shows up and she says, I got the two, I figured out what the two discs are. There are three discs set. If we can find the third disc, we're good because they, we need them all to work in conjunction. And that's when Zuzu says, Hey, Ford, I didn't know your friend, your good buddy had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's like, my good buddy who? She's like, Laszlo Canaflex? <laughs> yes, Vincent Price. No. <laughs> Art Mooney, Art Mooney, and he goes over, he, he plays it, and it flips up, and it's the third disc, so now he has everything he needs to, to like, you know, put the, the case, this case is getting close. Well, now they go back up inside into Julian's office, because he has the mm-hmm. gimmick with the three disc drives right there. Right, and we find out that the three discs uh, just have Fred's condom factory on it. Right. Out of but really, what it is, it's a coded CD piracy company out of Johannesburg, and that all this stuff has been, uh, you know, being pirated and out of out of there. And Julian Grendel's stuff is pirating his own music for some reason. So now they leave and to go, and they get in they get in uh, Jazz's car uh, the, that she should have probably used when she got hit by the when she got thrown out the window instead of walking all the way. Well, she probably had a concussion. Right, yeah, you don't want to. Should have been operating heavy machinery with a concussion. Right, so they go and and they get there, and the guy, one of the guys who threw her out the window, is in the alleyway, and they're gonna kill, they're gonna kill uh, Don Cleveland, um, and Julian Grendel was there, but he went back into the party, tells the guy kill kill Don. He shows up with with Zuzu pedal, or Dice shows up with Zuzu pedals, and and Jazz in the car. Jazz hits the guy with the car. They go running in. Before they go running in, maybe somebody should have checked that the thug wasn't, you know, 
completely down. But Jazz stays, and the guy gets up, and they have a they have a fight. Which right. earlier in the movie, go, they okay, st- go ahead, good, 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 go ahead. That they state early on that uh, hair extensions and bicycle shorts doesn't pay for all her karate classes, <laughs> which come th- you know play because you he wrote. Says, th- he goes, I, he goes, I get paid in gifts. He goes, I need to get paid in cash, moolah, wampum, dead presidents, Michael Jacksons, and he goes, rent costs money. Something else costs money. Your karate lessons cost money. Random throwaway line that won't pay off later, right? Nope. Here it is. Here it is. Right. So she ends up kicking his butt, but then she. He has a gun and he's he gets it kicked out of his hand, but he's reaching for it and he's gonna grab the gun and shoot her. But somebody, Joe, steps on his hand, and, and he then comes in with the other thing that could have been a catchphrase in the movie, which is you're about to have the most ten. Oh, is it the the most embarrassing tense moment in the in you're you're about to, in ten seconds you're about to have the most embarrassing moment of your life. Right, it's Sam and the fight- bag. He's reformed. Yeah, she's all good now, and you find out, He's off which I totally think there was a sequel. He was going to be a sidekick. Oh, Todd, I've got like a whole <laughs> Dice Clay Ford Fairlane universe in my head. You have fanfic of oh, yo, Sam's listen, You have all these movie studios, and we'll, you're almost done with the movie. You have all these movie studios. They're looking for their next Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're looking for what's our next Harry Potter. You know, they tried to do like, oh, it's the Oceans Universe, where it's like now it's the girls and everything else. Your Ford Fairlane expanded universe, Todd. I would be, and you get all the Apparently music Hollywood people. Doesn't like to make money anymore. You can get all the stars. You can get like Lady Gaga, and you're like just all right. the. Oh my God, the tone lo- Lady Gaga is the tone loke of today. Wouldn't you now, say? who's the dice of today that takes over dice? Because it can't be dice. Oh, who, young dice. Who, the yeah. guy who played Solo. Well, the kid, the kid has <laughs> grown up, and he's new dice. Oh yes, you, you can get any actor to do that then. Right. Oh, uh, because because you can't have the fest that that kid grew up to be the world's best thespian. He won't want to do this. So, um, he ends up beating up the guy. So it's all good. Uh, Sam the sleazebag gets him. So they go in, and Julian is talking to the crowd. And that's when Dice walks in with the three CDs and he's using the light to flash it in Julian's eyes while he's doing the speech. So they go, they, they go in the back and Julian, there's a, a quick shot, Joe, of Julian walking with the, the microphone and putting it down and then someone picking up just real quick, like only like 48 seconds or so, right? So I'm like, oh my god, so great. You see Zuzu Pedal pick up the mic. So they go in the back, and that's where Dice confronts him. He's like, I have the CDs. Julian tries to eat the CDs, gets a bloody mouth, which I think was real. There was no CGI or blood capsule used. I think he actually got cut while he was, he was doing that scene. They put it in the movie. Um, we find out that he's been ripping him, ripping off the music label because he 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 hates what Julian music Grendel music gets paid but how little he does and all the money that we give to the 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 artist and I'm like isn't this the reverse of everything you hear about music labels <laughs> is that the art label that the that the artists get nothing and the label just eats it up so he's creating this pirate thing to sell the music and, and but Johnny Crunch uh, Colleen and, and, uh, Black found out about it, so they were all gonna do it, and, uh, Colleen didn't want anybody to hurt, so that's why she was killed last, and, 
and you're like, oh, but he's telling all this while Zuzu has the microphone behind him, so they're telling the whole crowd. And then the worst part of the movie that makes Julian Grendel truly a monster is he makes the greatest person in this movie, Kyle Troy, cry. And I was so sad. I'm like, I hope Julie, Julian Grendel gets his. What were you going to say, Joe? Who is, who is uh, uh, Kyle Troy supposed to be? I you know don't... Because I mean? like, everybody in this movie is an analog for something else, either a very overt, like uh, Morris Day is supposed to be like a Quincy Jones type, right? Like Grendel might be Geffen. Right, and the Pussycats are supposed to be like a Bangles Bangles. Type. Tone Loke is like, oh, it's Tone Loke, you know? But, like, he is supposed to be someone. Kyle I don't know Troy who... is supposed to be, like, an analog for someone at the time. But I'm I'm kind of out of touch with things. You're out of touch with, with the modern 1990? Yes. Okay, I don't know. So I'd, I'd have to look that up. But who is big, like, a young star in 1990. Right. He looks a little bit like a Billy Ray Cyrus, but he was a country guy, so it doesn't make any sense. Right. See, I see a lot of Robert Smith from The Cure in him. Yeah, but I don't know. That's one that I'll, I, I, I kind of have to, to think about. So anyway, in all this, he reveals all of it and he, how he's an asshole and that if you're in this music, you're only in it for yourself. And hell, he even pissed in the punch bowl. And they cut the scene of everybody around the punch bowl spit, doing spit takes, which is fantastic. So then, uh, at this point, Sam and Jazz have, have conveniently bellied up to the bar while this is going on and they've ordered Zambuca milkshakes, Joe. Good thing to know that that's his favorite drink. So they, he, the girl says, I have the microphone and she sings and she dances out on stage. Julian chases her, tries to kill her, but then realizes he's in front of 10,000 people and Dice comes out and he's gonna, he's gonna to get him. But Julian, does Julian pull a gun? Oh, he pulls a gun off a cop. He grabs a gun off a cop and he's gonna shoot Dice. But luckily he says, shake me, Jazz. He has enough time to get the shake. Off of jazz, he spills it on him. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill you now!" And the only time I will accept Dice Clay wasting his cigarette is so he can light Julian Grendel on fire because he made Kyle Troy cry. So that's that's fantastic. He ends up, you know, the, the case is pretty much solved. Uh, Detective Amos shows up, and he's he was at Disco Appreciation Night. <laughs> so, but we figure out he's like, "I'm here for Zuzu Petals." I got the, you know, the, the case solved, but he's like, no, I got it all solved and he's going to arrest Zuzu, Zuzu Petals. But she ends up doing the whole thing where she goes, drops to her knees and then punches him in the dick. And he's singing booty time while he's got, you know, dick hurt going on. Right? So, so there's all that. And then that's when Don Cleveland realizes he's like, booty time. I remember that song. He's like, yeah. He's like, Disco Express was the only, was the only good white disco ever. He's like, oh, I got more where that came from. So for a happy I'm ending listening. for Yes, so Detective Amos is gonna gonna push Disco Express. He's gonna get so career resurgence, right? This is what so, happens in the expanded universe. Mm-hmm. So uh, while this is going on, he, he Jazz is all happy because you know now maybe they can be lovers oh, or something. Shit. I, Stop! Hang on. So what? the the sequel, the reboot, the whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's the thirtieth, fortieth, whatever anniversary. 
of uh, Lieutenant Amos coming back, having the big hit, redo hit, right? And because Booty Time became a second, it had a second life when Don Cleveland here brought it back in the 90s. It's now having, like, another resurgence, and rock and roll detective Dice Clay has to now protect Lieutenant Amos because now there's a hit out on him. He's the big star that Dice Clay has to protect, and now you get more scenes of Dice Clay and Ed O'Neill together. Oh, it's a it's a, a buddy comedy with two opposites. Right. Oh, I would watch that movie. It's the odd couple, but Dice, oh... It's the bodyguard odd couple is what it is. So, yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. So Jazz is there, and she's like, oh, I'm so happy, this and that. And then Zuzu Petals is like, oh, like, Ford, thank you for saving me. And she kisses him, and Jazz gets jealous because she thinks, you know, because every woman in the world wants to smoke a cigarette waster. <laughs> and so she leaves in a huff, and Ford realizes, he's like, he's had a terrible day. So he's going to go back home to his to his house his blown up house and while he's there you know what smiley didn't die joe shocker he's there and he's gonna kill he's gonna kill ford fairlane and ford fairlane go ahead blah 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 because you're this kid's father and you and and i gotta tell this kid that you're a murder freaks his father And he's like i'm not his father i killed this I, I got this ring off a guy i killed in fresno and he's like he's like oh so he's like so we're gonna do this and he's like yeah i'm gonna shoot and he's like you know what i've had a terrible day let's do this let's go mano and mano fisty cuffs which i still use to this day i say fisty cuffs for a fight so uh robert engel's like any way you want it and he throws the gun down and he ends up pulling a knife and ford fairland's like oh there's mano and who falls for that shit why give throw your gun away mano what does mano and mano even mean and he ends up you doing the gun trick, uh, the extender in his arm. And this time it works like 20 times throughout the movie. It didn't work. And he kills Smiley. Um, he go, he's on the beach. The kid shows up in the morning. He says that he's his father. And he's like, that's bullshit. And he's like, no, it's not. It's what kind of sentimental bullshit is this? He's like, no, I'm your father. He's like, well, I, I'm not really your father died but he told me to take care of you so i'm gonna take care of you and they touch the rings together and think you know flintstone rings do your thing they spark and everything so as this happens jazz shows up on the beach to tell him that she's gonna quit um but he but ford gives a truly heartfelt speech about how he ha he has that all he has women fame parties having all this fun he wants to give it all up for her I'm like, yes, because it won't be fun with her at all. She's like, what's this sentimental bullshit? The kid says, that's what I said. He's like, ah, oh, well, you know, we'll figure it all out. The phone rings on the beach because it still works. He answers it. Hit, uh, hit dirt with Kater. He wins the million dollars. He curses on the radio. Hey, he's up. with the K-Dirt with Pater, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no shit. Hey, you can't, you can't say see. no shit on the radio. Oh, wait, I just said no shit on the radio. Shit. <laughs> like, Great gag. So so they end up, they end up on their their big boat, the Unpour Two, <laughs> and they're there. And the koala's with them. He's got the little kid. He's got Jazz. He's on the boat, and he's like, "What? You think we really fucking kill the koala?" And <laughs> roll credits, Joe. Roll credits. Movie's over. All right. Oh, uh, five pages of notes. Let me drop my notes on the floor. <laughs> All right. So Todd. 
I want to hear your bad take on how you didn't like this movie. Okay, I, it's not that I didn't like this movie. This movie is this movie is smarter than it should be. Okay, because I've never watched this movie with like taking fucking notes before, Joe. But the plot of the record crime and the CDs and who's involved is very intricate. Mm-hmm. And if this was a good action movie with a good star, say uh, Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that, or this was a, this could have literally been a lethal weapon plot. Do you know what I mean? Like if you, you extended it out and made it, you know, less goofy and everything. So it is a really good plot, but it, that's what I think is like, they're like, Hey, we have an action movie for Mel. We have lethal weapon five, four, whatever. Or we have a movie for Bruce Willis, or we have a movie for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can't get those guys. All right. Well, how about Chuck Norris? We, we, we can't get Chuck Norris. How about, um, any other, you know, karate guy? Can we get Steven Seagal? No, we can't get Steven. Who can you get? We got Dice Clay. I can make it work. Okay. And that's literally what I think happened with this move. This script worked its way down to Andrew Dice Clay and they made it a comedy. Now, I'll say this. Movie probably was a comedy because at their heart, you know, there's jokes in Die Hard 2 and 3 as you go on. There's jokes in the Lethal Weapon movies as they go on. All these <laughs> movies get a little bit more lighter and fun so they appeal to a broader audience and everything like that, okay? Mm-hmm. So, pun intended... I think this movie was a great vehicle for dice, but the Mm -hmm. problem was there was too much dice in this movie. Right. By that I mean, when this was the time whenever you were getting someone from another media, like that's the stand-up comedian's getting his own TV show, or the stand-up comedian's getting his own movie, or the stand-up comedian's getting whatever. We gotta force the act into the movie, right? Yep. So, a little bit of dice goes a long way. And I'm all for putting dice's jokes in the movie. But when you have other characters in the movie saying dice's act, it doesn't work. And I know that it's supposed to be a noir, but I think this is a different, less uh, critiqued movie if you take all of those dice jokes that are in the voiceover out. Mm-hmm. And it's just him telling you what's going on and, like, what his thought process is without thought process and a joke. And, oh, here's the thought process and six jokes. It was one of those uh, – uh, Patton Oswald once talked uh, in an interview or a podcast or a stand-up or something where not Pixar, but – it because he did a Ratatouille, right? He did the voice in the rat Ratatouille. Prior to that, he did punch-up on scripts for DreamWorks animation movies. And punch-ups for scripts on those animated movies essentially were characters off-screen yelling yep. jokes when funny things weren't happening. Yeah, like, and that's, and I, I saw that in an interview somewhere, yes. and I've noticed that in movies to this day, when they think the movie is dragging, people will yell funny things, and I've never noticed that until, uh, Patton Oswald said right. that. And it's like, you gotta because have- they can't reshoot the animation, because it's already animated. Right. So, they're like, what can you say off screen that's funny? And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And that's what this movie is. I think this probably tested like they're like, oh man, this is gonna be the best movie. Dice fans are gonna love it, and it's a good actiony type movie. Like how you say that there's, you know, it's there's a good story and there's a good mystery of like the who done it and all this other stuff, right? 
we do test screenings, and the test stuff probably comes back of, like, not enough dice. Mm-hmm. We wanted a dice movie, not enough dice. Or the studio executives are like, this doesn't feel like dice. Or even Dice himself, who probably had a ton of power at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Was like, there needs to be more me in the movie. So, like, reshoots are costly. How about I just say a bunch of jokes and you throw them in? Right. Boom, there you go. You take that stuff out, you let the movie kind of stand as it is, and there's a lot of his jokes, I think, when they're really, like, don't have other characters saying verbatim, word-for-word lines from Dice's act. Right. Because if everyone is Dice, then Dice isn't Dice. True. Uh, And then the other thing is, there's parts where you talk about they're at the party with Colleen, just as an example, right? So... They're having the argument. We have the whole thing of, uh, you know, we, it's like, oh, they have a relationship. It didn't work out. It was a fling, whatever it is. Maybe it's a little bit something more. You get your moonlighting, will they, won't they sort of thing. And then we have to throw in the dice joke, which was in all the trailers, where he's like, oh, I'm sorry I made you clean the toilet, but I did all the work in bed. Oh! It kills them. Like, that kills whatever you want us to invest in this movie Mm -hmm. for me, for the relationship, for, for these two being together. You could have just simply had something of jazz say, now's not the time. We have a lead on this case. Let's go. I'm going to go do this. You go do that. You don't need to have those jokes in there. This movie needed less dice, but I loved all the dice stuff that was in it. (laughs) (laughs) So no matter what, it wasn't going to make this movie any better. Got it. Um, there's you could no you could trim this movie down, uh, like I said you know you, you mentioned before uh, credits was five minutes of the 141 minute runtime. You could probably shave another five to six minutes out of this movie and get your runtime opening credits to end credits at like right at 90 minutes right under 90 minutes and you got a movie that hops you got a movie that's fire. <laughs> You take out all the expository dialogue of Dice telling six jokes at a time just because we need more jokes. You you, you mix up the little bit with him and Ed O'Neill with the calling each other jerk-offs or spam. But I love this movie. I I, I liked this movie growing up. I revisited it this past weekend, and I love this movie. I want to watch it again. This is going to be – spoilers. This is my pick for August as well. We're watching (laughs) Ford Fairlane again. (laughs) Oh, Joe, but my pick for July was Fort Fairlane. <laughs> I got no problems. We'll watch it. It's a g- Okay, let me say this. Go ahead. I, I love picked, this movie. Go ahead. I picked this movie apart. This movie's fun, I'm stupid, stupid. Um, you know, there's like you said, there's problems with there's too much dice. Did I have, in the time that I took these notes, these five pages of notes, Joe... <laughs> Did did I have fun? Do I do I think it was a good one for what we do? Yes, I do. Can I you know? Can I you know say hey everybody go out and watch? If you're not going to listen to this show, go out and watch Dice Clay, Avengers of Ford Fairlane. You're going to love it. Blah blah blah. No. Now that being said, um, I saw this movie with my father in the theater. Uh, for some reason, I think we were on vacation somewhere, and we watched it. He loved it once again. I think I may have told this story on the show before, so I don't know if I should. Um, no, I will. Um, when we saw Cobra with Sylvester Stallone, and yeah. they they destroyed his car, 
he was heartbroken for a week because he loves he loves like classic cars. When they blew up the Fairlane in this movie, he was heartbroken for a week. So that's like one of the few things that I remember from this movie. But I enjoyed it. Like I'm not gonna say it was I'm not gonna say it was Body Slam, but it's not Smoking the Bandit Three or Bronco Billy either. So it's somewhere in between there. This has been my strongest pick to date. I'm really? putting this above Dragnet. How do you like that? But that wasn't your pick. Uh, you, it was my pick you stole from me. But it's still my pick. But you stole it from me. But it's still my pick. You can't go, this is my strongest pick that I didn't pick. So what were my other ones? I did... Uh, Body Slam? Oh, Last Action Hero? Ooh. Last... See, now you're, now you're, you, Mr. Jurassic Park isn't as good as last. So you're saying, last action hero, Jack Slater, the man who has the same type of wardrobe as I do, is better, isn't as good as Adventures of Ford Fairlane? Is that what you're saying? I can mark that down right here at whatever. uh, Podvocacy, Jason and David always say when they're doing their, their flick chart episodes, the going on the door test. It's like I'm going over somebody's house. There's two DVDs sitting on the counter. I could grab one to go over to a friend's house to watch. I'm grabbing Ford Fairlane. No, wow. I, wow. God, I, I love this movie. It was a walk down memory lane, a delightful walk down memory lane. Uh, the two movies not too far apart from each other, you know, with the kind of breaking the fourth wall, the five 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 joke mm-hmm. uh, that's in both movies, more or less. Uh, you know, you redo these movies, you you give me, uh, you know, those people that are having the the whole thing. It's like, oh, save, you know, give us a bunch of money so we can reshoot uh, last last Jedi, right? You know, mm-hmm. so they claim that they've raised over nine ninety million dollars. Give me that $90 million. I'm going to give you two movies. I'm reshooting Ford Fairlane starring Arnold. I'm reshooting Last Action Hero starring Dice Clay. Let's go. If you give me $90 million. End of the movie. End of the movies. Post-credit sequences of both. Don't tell anyone. It's the big spoiler. We find out they're the same movie. Wow. Wow. Now, you give me $90 million, Joe. Yeah. I'm going to take... 85 and pocket it. <laughs> and I'm going to take five and you, and use it to recut the, the Smokey is the Bandit trade movie. <laughs> Boom. Good this, to go. This might be a different joke. <laughs> but you give me that $91 million, I spend a million on mouthwash, and then I live a very comfortable life. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> You're terrible. So... I'm trying to think if you, okay, so Adventures of Ford Fairlane is your strongest pick. To, yeah, it's the strongest movie we've watched so far. Of all of them? Yes. Oh my god, are you fucking delusional? Oh my god. I want to be on the planet that you're on. Um, first of all, first of all, <laughs> there's no way, first of all, there's no way in the pantheon of what we, we've done. Is of what we watch. All right, of your picks, that's fine. You could say that bullshit. But out of out of uh, Dragnet and and Last, Last Action, Action Hero, no way, no way, <laughs> no way. And then and then, okay, it's it's above Body Slam. There's no way it's not above Body Slam. Um, I would say 
Uh, don't say it's above Smoking the Bandit 3. Okay. But go ahead. If we're putting the movies in order of quality, right. Bronco Billy's at the bottom, Body Slam, Whoa! Smoking no, come the Bandit on. 3. Come on. Really? Bronco Dragnet, Billy is under Body Slam. Last Action Hero, Ford Fairlane. Bullshit. Bullshit. We're we're getting the hard R on this episode. There's no way Body Slam is a better movie Absolutely. than Bronco Billy. No way. I know Bronco Billy it's, isn't your cup of tea, but come close, on. It's close. Uh, Body Slam is closer. Uh, like there's more there's more gap between Bronco Billy and Body Slam than there is in Body Slam and Smokey and the Bandit. Like oh you could convince God. me. That, uh, Let's like, not listen, speak of this again. I'll put Smokey the Bandit above Body Slam. I say Bo- Smokey the Bandit. Body Slam is the is is the and Smokey is the, the Bandit the three is terrible, but it's better okay. than Body Slam. First of all, Smoking the Bandit three is not terrible. Is not terrible. Second of all, I know this has got to be a gentle ribbon because there's no way Body Slam is better than Bronco Billy with that huge budget that they had on Bronco Billy. Which probably had the same budget as Bison, but they used it all on Coke. Spectrox, I'm sorry. Allegedly. Listen, if Bronco Billy was a two-night TV movie event, like it was, like if it was advertised to me as it was shot, then maybe I might change my mind. But what I saw being perpetrated that that was supposed to be a theatrical released film, I'm calling bullshit. Oh my god. Oh my god. Alright, I... I can't. I think this might be the last uh, movie thing that we do for a while. Now I will say this: we've, I'm for quality, we've peaked with my films. Wow. One of them we could watch again, and I could come back, uh, and the memory could be a little bit like I remember, like of the three movies I have left, one of them I have a very fond memory of in my head. Right. Hmm. I may watch it again and be like, okay, I was on drugs or something. The other two, I know, are bad movies, but I love them regardless. Okay, now when you say we've peaked, do you mean peaked with the quality of the movie? Yes. Or Okay, or because I do believe, looking, looking back, like this is one of the better discussions that we had about the movies. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Dragnet is up there, and Last Action Hero is up there. Yeah, because those were but, the best three that we watched so far. Right, right. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll beat it with one of my movies. Highly, highly unlikely, there, brain. Wow. All right, I want out because I can't. I can't anymore. All right. No problem. All right. There's we we could we could sit here and yell at each other about this all night, but we're not gonna. We still have another show we have to do. Do we really? Yes. Oh. So, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, 188 is in the can. Longbox Heroes, or uh, what is it? What the hell is it? Uh, soon to be named Movie Project Number Six is in the books. Uh, Longboxheroes.com, soon to be named Network.com. All the places to find all your favorite shows. Blah blah blah. Thanks for hanging in there with us on this extra long episode. I want this to continue so it's just as long as the movie is, credits to credits. Oh, boy. Right. I can make that happen. And then I'm going to end the episode with Dice singing. Or maybe Gilbert. Oh, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find Gilbert singing Dice's song and put that at the end of the show. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you all here next week and next month for the next uh, soon-to-be-named movie project club thing. Maybe. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs>